0: Welcome back, everybody, to another Lost Log. If this is your first time listening to our Lost Log series, essentially what they are is they are bonus episodes of Captain's Log, so they don't fit into the main scope of our main episodic show. They're more unscripted, off-the-cuff, more relaxed in general. The topics uh, we are hoping will be more out there and just sort of different than what we usually offer. Uh, this is part two of our uh the reading of the creepy pasta my romantic cabin getaway by felix blackwell um the way that this creepy pasta works is it's one main story and then a continuation but we found the main story to be too long to fit into one episode so we split it into two parts uh and this is the second part we will be coming back for part 3 where we read the the sort of the epilogue of the uh of the creepy um but until then we hope you enjoy this one and we if you'd like to listen to more of our Lost Logs, our first ever Lost Log was a reading of a, uh, an old Vincent Price radio drama which Mason and I performed with Friend of the Log, Max Benyon, and you can go check that out. It was pretty, pretty good, and we put a lot of work into that. Well, anyway, we hope you enjoy this one, and with that out of the way, we present to you Part 2 of My Romantic Cabin Getaway by Felix Blackwell.
1: It's been an interesting few days. I have so much to say, so I'm going to try and be... Terse? Sorry that it's taken so long to report. I am really trying. All of your questions and analysis of the events have really helped us through the struggle. Some of your observations are what brought me back here to Colorado. I landed in the Denver International Airport two nights ago and stayed with Jose's parents in Arvada. While While there, we all sat down. I basically forced them to tell me what is going on. A Redditor pointed out that Laura, Jose's mom appeared to be lying slash hiding something another redditor asked me if jose had ever been to the cabin before since his family owned it and for almost three decades um i had never thought of this when i asked jose he said no and that her parents just got or just used it as a getaway a few times a year jose's mom told me that uh he'd been there multiple times uh, when he was little this time jose's parents told me a different story they claimed this was the truth Jose had been to the cabin as a toddler a few times when he was five. Something happened to him. While Greg, Jose's dad, and Jose were outside playing in the snow, Fay Jose Jose <laughs> wandered afraid. off. <laughs> Jose wandered off toward the edge of the forest to look in. He was following a voice. Greg was building a snowman, keeping an eye on him. Uh they were only a few dozen. <laughs> Yards apart. Sorry, just the just the thought popped in like Laura and Greg had a son and were like, "Let's name him Jose." Yeah. <laughs> Two fucking white ass people being like Jose. <laughs> um, and his brother Don Carlo. Okay. Anyway, um, allegedly Greg heard Jose talking, answering questions, but he couldn't hear anyone else. He started walking toward him to bring him back to, and he heard him say, "God damn it, use uh, uh, okay." Jose, no, it's Jose. I can't see you. A moment later, little Jose began shrieking and crying. He went stiff as a board and Greg had to pick him up (laughs) and haul him back. (laughs) (laughs) He, He was almost catatonic and would go through bouts of total silence or inconsolable hysterics for several hours until Greg and Laura decided to go back down off the mountain and take him to the hospital. Greg claims he never saw anyone in the woods and never heard any voices speaking to Jose. The doctors thought uh, he had an epileptic seizure, and to this day, Jose does not remember ever going to the cabin. When I took him, uh, he acted like he'd never seen it before. I believe that if Jose did remember being traumatized as a child, he'd never want to go back, so I really think he's blocked out the whole experience. And when we visited it a week ago, he thought it was... Her, it, he thought it was him f- his first time going um, in Laura and Greg's subsequent visits to the cabin without Jose Greg experienced terrible nightmares in which dead people entered the bedroom and sat on the ground at the, in the bed and watched him sleep
0: in the morning Greg let me borrow his truck but refused to go to the cabin with me he told me when I left we let you kids go up there because we honestly wanted to believe there was nothing actually wrong with the place
1: Listen, I know this is entirely our fault, but uh, it's spooky up there and I don't want to go, so (laughs) good luck. I hope you save my daughter, but honestly, she's kind of just possessed and I don't give a shit anymore.
0: I fought in Vietnam. They used us to validate-
1: I've got got enough ghosts to deal with, okay, without my fucking daughter being one, right, so-
0: They used us to validate their denial, but I don't hold them responsible. I never have believed any of this if I were them. Dreams and a frightened child do not a haunting make. I arrived in Pikes Peak around 1pm yesterday and the ranger met me at the cabin. We investigated the place and didn't find anything unusual except for the single lampshade had been removed from one of the lamps and placed on the couch. We checked out the nearby woods. I was kind of sort of surprised to discover that the creepy enormous dreamcatcher was still there. The ranger told me he did not recognize it and it was not something that his people made. He told me not to mess with it until his friends showed up. He told me he'd return with them in the morning and left. That night, some shit happened. Greg told me that he'd hidden a uh, .35 magnum in the closet.
1: <laughs> I hid a gun in the there's a gun in the closet. I hid it. It's a secret gun. It's a secret. Shh, it's our little
0: secret. So I retrieved it and I re in a really dope ass purple bathrobe, and felt a little better. Don't Full. worry, I know how to shoot and how to keep it safe. Right around sunset, <laughs> I walked out to Greg's truck to grab a few things and neglected to I neglected to bring in earlier. And I heard two distinct voices chattering in the woods. It was snowing like crazy.
1: secret gun.
0: (laughs) And the wind was howling. But above the storm, I heard a gruff, masculine voice and a younger adolescent male voice. They were both yammering incomprehensible gibberish from two different places. I hurried back inside and locked the door. The stuff they were saying was pure madness. It made no sense.
1: Put them up! Oh, you go ahead. Up there! In the trees. Ah, uh, take and take. Walk on down there. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I just sat there imagining psychotic cannibals jabbering with their tongues hanging out and eyes rolled back in their skulls. You I figured...
1: can't jabber with the tongue hanging out. <laughs> you can't jabber with your tongue. No, hanging you can't.
0: Out. I figured that he'd come out of the woods as soon as it was dark. I tried to reach out to Fay ba- to Mason back home, but my phone wouldn't get any reception in the cabin. The storm was too strong. I tried to play video games on the S and E S, but it was SNES, SNES. (laughs) but I was so distracted by all the sounds outside. Every single noise a blizzard produced caught my ear, and so my imagination manifested all kinds of horrifying creatures slinking around there in the dark. When I finally went to bed, the wind died down a bit, and I heard a few more voices. There was a distant, high-pitched wail that echoed across the entire mountain. There was a child crying, saying something like, Put, oh, I thought you were going to say it, so I gave you the chance.
1: Mason? Oh, that's on. Un-
0: oh, are you there? Mason? Mason? Cool,
1: man. Oh, it's just so uncool, man. What happened? You, I don't know. It just stopped working.
0: What? No, I did not do anything. What? You just left. You were gone.
1: Well, so you just like stopped talking, and I was like Jose, <laughs> no oh, man. man. And then I refreshed it, and then it worked again. Oh but...
0: yeah, because I stopped because I thought you were gonna read it, so I was giving you a chance,
1: oh, no, and then you, you were you just even... gone. Well, yeah, that's what happened. You were like mid sentence, and you were. Just like, <laughs> and that's when he. <laughs>
0: and I was like Jose, All right, I'll just read it. Something like, um, "Put me down in the hole, and it's so deep you can crawl forever," but his voice sort of glitched. It would suddenly become deeper as though a grown man were doing an impression of a little kid. I also heard someone hacking and vomiting and crying, begging for help. I didn't fall for any of it.
1: I'm 28 years old, and this is the most afraid I've ever been in my entire life. Even with Jose walking around like a freshly, like a fleshy marionette and calling out my, to a presence in the dark in my own home around the... "'Around the time I was getting into bed, approximately 12.45 a.m., "'there was a gentle tapping sound on the window in the living room. "'It was soft, like a neighbor who was reluctant to bother me. "'I stood there, in the bedroom, with the door open, holding my breath, "'trying to figure out if I had imagined it. "'Then I heard it again. "'So I crept down the hall, peeked around the corner, "'just in time, to see a figure walking past the windows toward the front door. "'With the curtains drawn, I couldn't make out anything but a shadow.' It knocked on the door again. It was a gentle knock. A man's voice softly called out. Hello. I listened intently and tried to keep silent. Eventually, he knocked again. And I said, Hello.
0: I... I need to speak with you.
1: He was speaking through clenched teeth. He was either extremely cold or extremely angry. I verily carefully... Stepped back into the bedroom, grabbed the gun, but the goddamn place was so old the doors creaked. I barely tapped the bedroom door as I passed it, and it squealed like a dying pig. Then the man outside said, just above a whisper,
0: I know you're there.
1: For just a moment, in my lethargy, I considered the possibility that this was one of the ranger's friends, or maybe somebody who used to live on the mountain. I was never going to open the door, but stupidly, I figured it couldn't hurt to say, it. Because, oh... What? I, I, figured it I figured it couldn't... I figured talking to it couldn't hurt. Sorry. I say it because I immediately stopped believing there was a human being on the other side of the door the moment I opened my mouth. I said, Who the fuck is it? As assertively... <laughs> who, the, who the fuck is it? As assertively as I could. The second I stopped talking, whoever it was out there repeated my question while mimicking my voice accurately. It almost sounded like an echo. Then he said,
0: May I come in? Please?
1: The voice was a little shaky, but it definitely sounded like me. Unnervingly similar to me. But he was still clenching his teeth, so I could hear the difference. Also because I wasn't talking. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, am I me? I pointed the gun to the door. It was dark in the house, so he couldn't see it. So he couldn't see what I was doing through the curtain. And said, if you don't get the fuck out of here right now, I'll blow you in half. For those of you who don't know what a 357 Magnum can do to a person, a slug to the chest is essentially makes you a human milkshake. Mm, that's, okay. And that's <laughs> after passing through two inches of an oak wood door. I just don't think, like, he just immediately turns to liquid, like his entire yeah. body. Like his legs, yeah. <laughs> he turns into yogurt. Um, anyway. Uh, we both just stood there for a dreadfully long minute. It started testing out my voice, groaning and whispering and muttering. It said lots of things, but I only remember a few of them. What's your name? What's your name? A little cabin for the weekend, for the weekend, for and a bunch of lip-smacking and chewing noises. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) They're lying. They're lying, the ones out there. La 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 la. You weren't alone in there, and I'm not alone out here. What's your name? (laughs) And you go up in the trees or down a hole. That's where you go. Oh, they'll find you either way. The sound of my own voice making these horrific noises and phrases set every inch of my skin on fire. I can hardly describe the physical sensation of of fright this intense... It was almost like having a bad fever. Hot and cold, wet and sticky all at the same time. Wet and sticky, that's a normal thing to be together, right? <laughs> Nothing's dry yeah. and sticky. Yeah, yeah. I shouted for it to leave and I said I was armed. I considered firing off around, but that's a decision you can't take back. And my number one rule is only to fire when I'm certain I've got a target and a clear reason. Uh, I am proud to say that I can use my voice a lot better than whatever it was that was mimicking me. I'm a soft, I'm a soft spoken guy, but I came down like a fucking hurricane screaming, I will fucking kill you. He replied simply in a softer tone than my own voice, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> <And> then <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> then it went back to bad willing gibberish and knocking politely on the door over and over for another minute or two, then it suddenly stopped. <laughs> Then it kicked the door. And I mean harder than any human could possibly kick a door and ran off. The boom was so loud, I couldn't believe the door didn't implode in its frame. The person slash thing bounded down the wooden patio and off into the snow. And I swear on my life and honor, it sounded like a horse or something. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It sounded like a... Is that... Is this Jeff Dunham famous ventriloquist? Oh my god. Um, uh, It sounded like a horse or some other four-legged animal charging off into the woods. A child's laughter rang out and then it was silent.
0: Needless to say, I remained in a cat-like state of delirious paranoia for the rest of the night.
1: Wait, what? A cat-like state? He's like licking himself. (laughs) He's so scared he turned into a cat.
0: (laughs) The storm picked back up and I did not hear anything else. I spent the whole night debating whether the thing at the door was talking about Mason. I tried to convince myself that it was yammering more nonsense like all the voices I had heard up here. But the way it spoke that sentence haunts me even now as I write it. Its voice, my voice, was purposeful and restrained. It chose the words carefully, and it knew exactly what to say. I've been thinking a lot about what Redditors have been saying about Mason being some kind of doppelganger. When I first saw the nude man on my car, I thought it was a trick to lure me into the woods where the voices lie. I thought the real Mason stopped me from leaving the cabin. But many of you have pointed out that the reverse could be entirely possible, given how the Mason I took home to California is behaving given how he has failed all of my tests, and given how his his podcasting engagement ring has been missing since we got home. So I sat there for hours, considering whether I should go out into the woods during broad daylight to search for my fiancé co-host. Of course, it's a stupid idea, but I now understand why people in horror movies do idiotic things. If I'm not looking for her or for answers, why am I here? I need to know what I saw that day in the driveway. I need to know if there are many voices or just one. I need to know how to get this all back to normal. I listened to music on my iPod and desperately tried to distract myself by reading news articles online until daybreak. Could you Most imagine
1: of being like, I don't want to hear right now? You that's I mean? so
0: stupid. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. do. I yeah. would have to be able to like, hear everything. I have every headphones
1: day. on now when I constantly feel like there's yeah. something behind me.
0: Most of them wouldn't load because the gods of internet have cursed this cabin. Around 4am I got up to, some, to get some food from the kitchen and I opened the window curtain a tiny bit to see if anything was going on outside. A ton of snow had fallen and at the rim of the forest, dozens of yards out, I could see a distant figure standing perfectly still in the moonlight. He was facing away, staring off into the darkness of the woods. I checked on him every 20 minutes since then. He never moved. When the sun rose around 6.15am, he was gone. I never saw his face.
1: Today, the ranger and his two buddies came to the cabin as promised. They were instantly likable and warm. One of them, Tiway, uh, is a medicine man in his 60s, and he was especially cool. The other was his son, Nathan, who was probably just a few years older than me. They told me all kinds of interesting lore about Pikes Peaks and the surrounding areas, and then proceeded to tell me a disturbing story that, ex- that they believe explains the strange activity of, on the mountain. For the sake of brevity, I will relay this in my next post. The ranger gave me one of his facility satellite phones to stay in contact with them in case of emergencies. I used it to call uh, Jose, but he didn't answer, so I called Jason and Richard, and uh, who are presently taking care of him. Apparently, Jose has become inexplicably outraged after taking a shower through an enormous tantrum and locked himself in our bedroom. He refused to eat for the rest of the night. Allison and Jason slept in the guest room, and Richard slept on the couch downstairs and worked late on his commissions. He's a digital artist. <laughs> cool. He, t- <laughs> he told me that around 1 a.m., the same time I had uh, my visitor, um, Jose ran down the stairs into the kitchen, eyes closed, and started drinking out of the sink faucet. Uh, then she- he turned around and stared, eyes shut, at Richard. While he sat at the breakfast table. <laughs> I'm just imagine he's got like a bowl of cereal. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got like a spoon in his mouth. And he's just like, Jose, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm kind of confused. Stop. So he said, Felix, to which he replied, he's in Colorado, Jose, remember? Oh, Mason. Um, in which you, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, he didn't, And then Jose said, we sent him there to die. Then he sat down right at the kitchen tiles and went back to sleep. I've instructed my friends to only wake Jose if he does something serious. (laughs) You know, like not threaten my life, but. So they observed my rules and got back and got him back to bed without much of an issue. For all the crazy shit that Jose does while he's asleep, at least he never gets violent. But the guys put her back to bed, the guys put her back to bed easily enough. The next day, Allison bailed on the whole project. She said that uh, Jose was awake all night listening to. Oh, God damn it! She said that she was awake all night listening to Jose whispering through the wall. And Jose told Allison how there, how there was a man in the house, and he was asking about her. Hey, there's a yeah, man in the house, Allison, and he's fucking asking about you. I know it's my husband, Jason. I've met him. Oh, oh all right then. Good night. Good, good night, Jose.
0: <laughs> hey, Allison. There's a man in the house, and he's asking about you.
1: What? Isn't it is it wait, never mind. It's Jason. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, got your, it's, your, it. yes. it's your husband. It's my husband Jason. Okay. My flight home is the day after tomorrow, so I'm going to have so I'm, uh, ha, yep. My flight home is the day after tomorrow, so I'm going to have to figure all this shit out real quick. Real I'm going quick. Going to take a nap. <laughs> I'm on a real this guy's a true this, this is the realest thing I've read so far I've got a hard deadline coming up I'm gonna take it yeah. yeah it's nice <laughs> it's nice and bright outside no voices P.S. as soon as I get home I will put up the yes he just never puts up any other videos anyway yeah as soon as I get home I will put up the Jose video I know I keep saying this but I really did not expect to suddenly return to Colorado I swear I will put it up and then that will be the end of it I represent myself, I resent myself for turning this into such a long, ridiculous blog of experiences.
0: Shut up. No, you don't.
1: The, yeah, (laughs) the first uh, comment on this one is Didn't you put holy water into her shampoo? (laughs) This is getting weird. (laughs) Uh.
0: My first night back at the cabin was the most terrifying experience of my life. You can read about it here if you have it. The next morning, Wednesday, the ranger showed up with his friends, Tiwe, a Pueblo medicine man, and his adult son, Nathan. These people are amazing. Hello,
1: I'm his adult son, Nathan. As you can see, I'm this an adult. This is my and adult son, child. Nathan. Yes, my name is Nathan. Hello. I'm they an were... adult, as you can see.
0: <laughs> He's an adult.
1: Uh, yes, I'm an adult. They were... I don't know if you think I'm a kid, but I'm not a kid. I'm an adult.
0: <laughs> this is my adult son, Nathan. Not...
1: Dude, seriously, he's not a kid. I I got it, he's an adult. Hey, this he's is T Way's son,
0: and he's a fucking adult. His name is Nathan. Alright?
1: <laughs> you can cut this out with that Tumblr poster or whatever where it's like the first day at Domino's. And he's like, okay, but don't fuck the pizzas. And he's like, haha, okay, yeah, I won't. He's like, no, seriously, don't fuck the pizzas. <laughs> and the other kid, the other cook is like, Hey, did you tell him about fucking the pizzas? And he's like, Yeah, I told him about it. And the guy's like, I'm not gonna fuck the pizzas. And the customer or the customer's like, hey, that guy's not gonna fuck my pizza, is he? And the manager's like, not if he wants to keep his job <laughs> It's just like it's so fucking funny. Seriously, like, don't fuck the pizzas. <laughs> okay, I won't fuck the pizzas. He's not gonna fuck my pizzas.
0: <laughs> they were instantly likable and sympathetic to my situation. I mentioned uh them in a tiny update in my last post, but here is what happened. T Way is an incredible storyteller. He told me that Pikes Peak and the surrounding area was inhabited by the Ute. Manito, Ara, Arafa, Arapaho, Pueblo, Anasazi. Anaza, uh, oh, the Anasazi are fucking interesting. You ever heard about them? Huh. They were like a big um, Native American uh, tribe here in Utah, like, like southern Utah, mm-hmm. some parts of Colorado. But mm-hmm. they were like super advanced compared to all the rest and then mysteriously Ooh. just vanished, like ah. just up and left. And they don't know what happened to them.
1: Anyway. They were like, we're getting the fuck out of here before the white man gets here. That's for Yeah, sure. there's
0: some fucking Mormons coming. Let's get the fuck out of here.
1: <laughs> Is that Brigham Young? How <laughs> did you want to fuck my daughter? Wait, what? Never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> and, I'm just getting the fuck out of here. <laughs>
0: and other Native American groups at various times. In the 1860s, when the gold rush was in full swing, many, many Indians were violently displaced because of their uh, mining operations there. They were torn away from their sacred lands, which was catastrophic to their cultures. T. Way stressed that, historically, Americans have not understood the significance of land and names to Native Americans. And this is critical to understanding the supernatural presence in the mountain. The major world religions like Christianity and Hinduism and Islam are universal. They can be practiced anywhere. You can pick up your whole life and move to Kentucky or Scotland or in Istanbul. And you'll still be whatever religion you are. Your God still hears your prayers. He still intervenes in your life. Not in fucking mind, but alright. But Native Americans practice land-based oh religions. god, it
1: intervenes my life a lot. It just fucks a bunch of shit up.
0: Uh, but Native Americans practice land-based religions. The land they inhabit is a part of their creation stories. It's not that the land belongs to them, it's that they belong to the land. And both are in a symbiotic relationship with one another. History is embedded in the landscape. A person is reminded of specific lessons and wisdom when they see a part of the land. Do the you ma- know
1: how true this is? I mean, it's one of those things it that sounds, I, like, it sounds it will, true, d- from, but I mean, I from my if,
0: limited knowledge of Native right. Americans, That's what I'm saying too. it is sounds it like, right. Me to just but, be
1: like, of course they, that makes perfect yeah. sense. They only worship land or whatever. Yeah. But, um, okay, I was just curious if you knew because I, I have no idea. No, I'm
0: not 100% sure. The mouth of this river has a story attached to it. The fallen tree has a story attached to it. A battle was won here. A chief died there. Peace was made between tribes with a feast here. When a Native group is forced out of its homeland, the people lose their history. What's worse, they leave behind the places where their are dead or buried. Since the dead are bound to that place, the Indians who left no longer have spiritual connections to their ancestors, and thus to their gods. Their medicines and magic no longer work. They forget the names of sacred places, and the na- as the names and history and wisdom are forgotten, the tribe's spiritual power evaporates.
1: That, the ending of that started sounding real like, they just can't do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's true. I have no idea. Tway said that that when Pike's Peak was taken, a group of disgruntled Utes descended on the miners and slaughtered a bunch of them. Because a complex network of alliances and peace treaties, these Utes were punished by another tribe. They dug holes in the ground and slit the Utes' throats. Uh, Yeah, that's not (laughs) when they were like they were punished. I was like, oh, okay. And then it's like, oh no, they were murdered because of it. Got it. Uh, then they were buried. Then they buried them upside down in the holes, with their legs sticking out of the ground, so that wolves would feast on their calves. Holy fuck! Uh, that was supposed to be the end of it. Oh sure, right, yeah. Uh, but then something else happened. The legend says that these utes arose from the tainted ground one night because their flesh had been flayed from their hips down. They looked like walking skeletons. Well, the guy's got a skeleton dick.
0: <laughs> oh shit he's gonna kill us. <laughs>
1: uh, they hobbled into an Arapaho camps mm. uh, and took women and children back up the mountain. They forced them deep into the mines never to leave again. The howls of women and children have been reported on the mountain over a hundred years now. The Utes in Arapaho engaged in blood feuds sometimes called morning wars or for this over e- for years over this. They exchanged curses, executed and skinned and tortured each other. They stained the once sacred earth on Pike's Peak with the with rivers of blood. I like how, like, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, sure, I don't know. It's just like, I, it feels like it was, it feels like it was the Arapaho's fault. It seemed, yeah. Kind of right? Like, right. You, they shouldn't have.
0: Done that. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. If they just hadn't buried them upside down or just buried them fully. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, they, oh, boo-hoo, they killed a bunch of white men. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: well,
0: they had it coming.
1: Yeah.
0: I was pretty mortified by this story. I just kind of sat there with a ranger while Wee and Nathan blessed the cabin. They burned sage and tobacco inside and outside and used crushed herb to dust, uh, and crushed herb dust to cover their hands. They made a handprint on every window and drew small symbols in ash at the top of the front door inside and outside. They gave me bundled sage slash cedar slash hawthorn and told me to burn it if anyone tried to get inside. It drives bad spirits insane. Then they provided me with small pouches filled with herbs and blessed objects to wear around my neck and in my pockets whenever I went outside. Nathan gave me okay, a totem. This is a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. this is a lot of stuff I have to do.
0: Nathan gave me a totem that he wears around his neck and told me to give it to Mason. Then they sang a really incredible chant in their language. It lasted about 15 minutes. I was blown away. I fucking love these guys. Then we went outside. I showed them the Dreamcatcher, and they told me that they had never seen anything like it. The Dreamcatcher is made with three branches woven together with hair, and it has old yarn or wool string with glass beads, crisscrossing the center in a pattern. It is old and handmade.
1: Cheyenne? Yeah. Oh, good. It's okay, it's just Cheyenne. <laughs> We're doing spooky stories again, so I've, I've thought you've come home like four times now. It's been very scary. you <laughs> a <Anyway, laughs> fucking okay, coward, ahead, Mason. Okay yeah i am you're right i'm not ashamed of being a coward being a coward keeps you alive it's a natural reaction for your body to be like oh is that danger yeah don't go towards it
0: (laughs) Way told me not to touch or move it if you find an object of power and do not know who made it or what it protects you should leave it alone i asked him if it could be evil and he said maybe i got them up to speed on everything that has happened I said it to a lot of my friends, Redditors, but I didn't explain that, suspected that <laughs> that's the most, like, right, millennial no Gen Native Z thing to Americans... do. Yeah.
1: Well, but also there's just, no, like, but like it's how you like,
0: the... It's like when you're telling your parents about something, but, like, if you're part of an online community, you're never, like, yeah, these yeah, guys it's... that I... So you're just, like, my friends that you haven't met.
1: <laughs> I don't know. To me, it's like uh, there's no way these Native Americans could possibly understand the <laughs> Internet. I'll just say it's my friends, even though, like, Nathan is, like, a few years older than yeah. this guy is. <laughs> Um Nathan's like, dude, I'm thirty four, I know what Reddit is. <laughs> uh
0: I told them that some Redditors suspected that Mason at my house in California was a duplicate, and that the real Mason was somewhere in the woods. T Way and Nathan disagreed with each other uh on whether that could be, but we searched the woods looking for signs of Mason. We found nothing. I told them about the <laughs> missing a trail
1: wood. of empty gin bottles. <laughs>
0: I told them about the missing ring, and they said exactly what many Redditors have said. If Mason loved the ring, and it was powerfully powerfully symbolic to him, it could be used by a bad spirit to harm him. They told me to find it at all costs. They also told me that if Mason indeed were still here on the mountain, he was certainly dead. Which, you know, cheered me right the fuck up.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank thank God. Okay. And for the moment we've all been waiting for, T-Way named the creature that was tormenting us haven't it wasn't it already named by a woman yeah no the kid. hollow he ones was, but like uh but, yeah. no, but she, she he was like hey, it was a name that I just didn't feel like remembering or yeah. writing down but he said that his people call it and I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best here but I'm I very sorry I, i'm not gonna pronounce I'm sure I'm not gonna pronounce this correctly Atan no
0: the way I thought it was it was at an a a
1: that sounded better yeah
0: the imposter Um,
1: the imposter bad spirits inhabit the land everywhere and sometimes they get the opportunity to use a tragedy like Pike's Peak's Massacre to commandeer a human figure and walk the earthly mortal plane in the case of the imposter they collect animal and human parts piecemeal wherever they can and stitch them together this is why they walk strangely vocalize strangely and why they never show their faces or come out during the day they cannot pass for humans that's that's pretty fucking metal yeah i asked i asked T-way, uh why i was always see why i always see someone facing away from the from me at the edge of the forest and he said the same thing he just described yeah uh, and he said it's because it does not want me to know its identity but eventually the impostor would come for me wearing jose's skin and teeth and hair Trying to convince me it was him. When I asked him what it wanted, he said, but also I'm just imagining like can you imagine your girlfriend like skin sloppily and hair like sloppily like thrown over obviously a monster in his being like Give me a kiss, man. <laughs> oh like god it? Get the it, fuck terrible. off, it's obviously not her. No, it's me, I swear. <laughs> Alright. Um but when I asked him what it what it wanted, he said, Nobody knows. He also told me that there was there is power in names, as many redditors have also stated, and that I could not speak its name, especially not to it, because that could provoke it. Of the voices I was hearing in the forest every night, T said they practice what they hear for decades. It makes it easier for them to hunt.
0: The freaky shit. T-Way, Nathan, and the ranger left at sunset, and I spent the rest of the evening thinking about all of this. I think I figured a lot of things out. At around 9 p.m., something disturbing happened. I used the satellite phone the ranger gave me to call Fang. To Mason. He actually answered, and I was just lying in bed reading. And he was just lying in bed reading. Fuck. <laughs> we had a great conversation. I told him I missed him so much, and that I was up here trying to solve what was happening. I told him I wanted to have a podcasting family with him. He said that he was feeling better, and he had actually gone a whole night without sleepwalking or terrifying Jason and Richard. And I was like, okay, cool, we're just going to scam over the fact that I told you I want to start a family with you? All right, yeah, no, that's fine. We don't have to talk about that. After 15 minutes of talking, I started hearing sounds outside. I heard footsteps crunching in the dry snow, and I heard a voice, my voice. It said things like, flight, insomnia, miss you, see you soon. The thing had been standing near the window, mimicking my voice, my conversation with Faye. I told Fayette Mason. I told Mason I'd call him back later, and hung up the phone. Then went silent. The thing Baby, walked. gonna
1: a... go. There's a. You know what? It's too much to explain right <laughs> now. I'll just. I'll just get you. are a
0: dumb woman. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing walked around the cabin slowly, trying to figure out if I, if I had moved, and kept mumbling and repeating repeating a few phrases as it went. Finally, it came and knocked on the door. Its knock was gentle, just like last night. I was a little bit less scared because of all the blessings T-Way had put on the cabin. But I still held onto the gun just in case any shit went down. He spoke to me in my own voice. The first thing he said was, The hole will fill with snow and blood. So yeah, that uh amped up my fear quite a bit. Every hair on the back of my neck bristled. Do you know the feeling of being so scared that your vision turns hyperio hyperreal? Everything looks like a realistic video game, so everything looks just slightly off. Then it knocked again and said, Hello? May I come in? I simply said, No. Leave. Then I knocked for another 30 seconds or so and said, What is your name? Hello? I lied and said, My name is Daniel. Now leave. You can't come in. The thing started knocking harder. A lot harder. Non-stop and said, What is your name? What is your name? It was terrifying to hear my voice coming from the other side of the door and to hear rage building in that voice. I said again, My name is Daniel! <laughs>
1: But the th- I am Daniel I am Daniel I am Daniel I am Daniel Kiss
0: but the thing just kept yammering and asking the same question it would, it would occasionally say things like ticket, ticket, rental car you go up in the trees the hole, the hole down in the hole what is your name? may I know your name? just a fucking kid with ADHD <laughs> what's your name? can I know your name? can you tell me your name? do you have a rental car? what is that?
1: The tree in the hole. I know a hole. I know a hole. Do You know where the hole is. Let's go down the hole.
0: <laughs> then I had an idea. I'm really good with fake accents. And when I was a child, my first language was German. Dad migrated to Boston and met my mom. I started speaking in a thick accent, talking about my day and then started shouting in German. I recited a poem I knew I know by Hermann Hesse, "Die Frau von Ravenna Trägen. My visitor went silent and stopped talking. What the fuck? <laughs> He's just like, "What the fuck is this guy
1: doing?" What? <laughs> I think that would be really fun though to be like yeah. <laughs> just to start fucking saying shit and having it having it getting parroted back to you by a monster. Yeah. I could tell it was
0: just listening, so then I started shouting in a British accent, reciting lines from V from Vendetta, my favorite film of all time. Ugh. I shouted thank Ugh. you in every single language I know. I once committed to learning it in a hundred languages and stopped around twenty. My unwanted guest just sort of stammered a little bit, trying to mimic me, but failed to do so. I was no longer speaking in any recognizable pattern or tone. Eventually, it just started growling the sounds that Mason and I heard in the forest when we first stayed at the cabin. Watch you, watch you,
1: won't mind, won't It's got a great She's got ass. A great ass.
0: <laughs> it started scratching and pounding at the door. I grabbed the stage bundle and torched it with my lighter, and then waved it all around the doorframe. I don't know if the thing outside could smell it, but it walked off the porch all pissed off, growling.
1: Fucking stupid, fucking idiot.
0: Fuck you. And went off into the night. This time I ran to the window and tried to get a glimpse of it, but all I could see was a very dark, amorphous form disappearing into the trees.
1: I think I figured out a lot of stuff. I think this entity is mimicking me because it's going to convince Jose that it is me. It is rehearsing my voice and then whispering to Jose while Jose sleeps, talking to him in his dreams, trying to get him to let it inside of our house. I think it wants to convince him that I am the imposter, not it.
0: The Spider-Man pointing meme.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I also figured out why the voices go crazy at night and why they're getting closer to my home. These fuckers aren't trying to scare me. They're trying to deprive me of sleep. Mm. If I'm psychologically (laughs) and emotionally drained, I'm weaker. If I'm delirious, I'll make a mistake their or his attempts to get me will be easier i'm still trying to figure out how controlling fey like how controlling hofei like a puppet (laughs) in his sleep plays into all of this i know what i saw there is a man standing outside our house walking the exact same creepy way jose was walking was sleepwalking at the exact same time I'm also still considering the possibility that I already made a terrible mistake and that the imposter has already won. When I went outside on the first night of the cabin with Jose trying to see where the voices were coming from, I left the door unlocked and uh, a user on Reddit said that that was the moment that Jose was replaced by something else. I just don't know what to think. But for now, I'm going the fuck to sleep. Update 430. Well, I found the ring. Sad face. (laughs)
0: Well, I found the Um, ring. Turns out, my fiance just doesn't want to get married.
1: Um, (laughs) I'm just in the in the thing of going of reading all of the first comments of these now. The first one for this one is: You should have said, "I love to eat ass" in every language you know. (laughs) So even if you don't survive, any other victims will not take this thing seriously and thus won't get very far with the whole imposter stuff.
0: You're you're somewhere in a fucking cabin and you just hear, "I eat ass.
1: I eat ass. I eat ass." Um, I loved eat ass. I loved eat ass. <laughs> so scary.
0: <laughs> I am out of the cabin and safe. Do not go to Pike's Peak looking to be a hero. Looking to find the mines or looking for meat, you will die. Avalanches, radon gas, mine collapses, etc. Do oh, not ghost be a too. fool. <laughs> Casper the Friendly Ghost, as well. Edit. I took down the photo of Faye, of Mason because someone started sending me creepy messages about it. I should have known better.
1: Do you think he ever actually put up a picture of someone, or do you think he just put that in so, like, everyone... Well, there like is a video. Just, oh, that's true. I guess we should yeah, probably... That, that yeah, that interview. Okay.
0: We can watch it at the end and see what we think. Okay. Someone gilded another one of my posts. Thanks very much, stranger. Oh, shut the fuck
1: up. Typical Reddit.
0: Shut the fuck up. There are so many new developments, it's hard to figure out how to cram it all into a 3,000-word no-sleep post. The morning after I spoke with my fiancé, Faye, Mason, at the satellite phone,
1: and and
0: and then was visited by the thing that mimics our voices, I got a call from Richard and Jason. In case you don't remember, they're my two best buddies in the world, and they're staying at my place taking care of Mason while I'm gone. They're the only people I trust. And my accountant. Richard stays up very late and sleeps in the morning, kind of like what I'm doing now. He does this for two reasons, to work on his art commissions and to rub one out. (laughs) and to make sure Mason doesn't stab everyone to death and burn the house down in his sleep. The guides report that he's behaving quite normally and feeling good slash being productive during the day, but then at night, he is unpredictable and weird. I feel like his soul is being cleaved in half. The two distinct sets of behavior are drifting farther from each other every day. Around 1am, Richard heard the voice of a young child, mumbling incoherently. He is up to speed on all the unusual experiences that have plagued my fiancé and me, so he immediately got up to investigate. He looked out the kitchen window, which faces the same part of the forest where I saw the man mimicking Mason's sleepwalking movements. Um, Richard didn't find anything, so he walked a circle around the house and realized that the sound was coming from our bedroom window. He went inside and woke Jason up, and they stood outside the bedroom door. Listening, they claimed they heard the distinct sounds of a child whispering and softly singing. And I bet you can guess what song. We can dance if we want to, we can leave this world behind. behind. No, the friends don't dancing they if they don't, don't dance with her. her. no friends of mine. Now what he was singing was, oh, so me I do, I'm an naked, soul, me I do. The song Mason and I heard outside of the cabin on our second night, sung in a child's voice. Both of these dudes are super ripped climbing enthusiasts, and they could beat up your friends. <laughs> and they said they had never been so creeped out in their entire lives. Because you
1: know, you can't be scared if you have muscles. Yeah, exactly.
0: Jason knocked on the door and said, "Mason, who's in there?" And he promptly heard the child go, "Shh," and whisper something inaudible. Richard pushed. My th- ass. <laughs> <Sorry. gasps> Richard pushed the door open and said that Faye was standing in the corner of the room in the dark, facing the wall. She. He was. Mason was. That was Mason, not Faye. Who the fuck is Faye? I don't know. Never met her. He was standing up on his toes, dragging his hands and nails down the wall and talking to himself. With his back turned to the guys, he said,
1: Oh, the skin is so perfect. Which one? of, Which one? Which one? Put him down in the hole.
0: Richard saw saw something out the window and hurried over to it. Jason stepped inside the room and reached out to put a hand on Mason's shoulder, but he whirled around quickly and covered his face with his hands. His eyes were open, which is unusual for him when he sleepswalks, leaps, sleepwalks. Then and then, and these are the exact words Jason used. She started speaking in the voice of a child. He she, he made a whining and crying, he made whi- <laughs> He made whining and crying sounds and rocked back and forth on his feet, cradling his arms as though he held a child. Then he turned around and started scratching at the wall again. Still whispering in the kid's voice, saying things
1: like It's Mason. I can't see you. Are you up in the trees or down in the hole? And
0: then he started singing again. Richard ran down the stairs and out the front door, barreling towards the tree line. From the window he had seen a <laughs> small
1: punch that motherfucker in the face.
0: <laughs> from the window he had seen a small child walking around on its tippy toes, flailing its arms up in the air. On the phone he told me he could hear it singing while he watched it from the window. When Richard got about 20 yards away from the kid, it's a cough running on the balls of its feet, heading straight into the trees. Fast. Uh-huh.
1: It feels like you couldn't run very fast if you're yeah. only on the balls of your feet.
0: Heading straight into the trees, Richard stayed in pursuit and went in after it. It was too dark for him to follow and he lost a kid after a few moments. He wandered around for a few minutes searching the area and eventually heard the voice of an adult male. Rich says he walked a few steps deeper into the grove and saw a huge man standing about thirty feet away, completely naked, looking up into the trees. There so, were, uh, la- dude. Hey, oh shit! <laughs> there were lacerations or dark pockmarks marks of some sort all over his body. Now Richard is about six foot one, two hundred ten pounds of bulky slash mu- bu- and, ble- <laughs> and bulky, and bulky both <laughs> Yeah, that was right and bulky slash muscular and he said this dude was way bigger than him he said the man was perfectly still for several seconds but then started rolling his head around cracking his neck loudly and started making gurgling and mumbling sounds
1: you're fucking lucky bro because if you were still a child i'd totally beat the shit out of you
0: <laughs> i guess rich was paralyzed with fear because he claims he stood there for an entire minute or more before running like hell back to the house. As he turned to get out of there, the man let out a long, "Hello," and as he did, his voice transformed. It became my voice. Richard- I
1: like to imagine it was the, uh, it was like the frog from Looney Tunes. Yeah, I was like, "Hello, <laughs>
0: hello, my baby, hello, hello my, darling. my
1: darling, hello, my
0: ragtime gal." It, um, Richard said that the thing in the woods called out with my voice several times as he fled, wailing, Please help me! And they're gonna kill me tonight! Jason says that he did not hear or see anything out the window, only Richard running back inside, ghost white with terror.
1: Oh, Richard's a ghost now.
0: <laughs> he said Richard actually cried. While they talked in the living room, Mason sat at the top of the stairs just watching, wide awake, with a little smile on his face.
1: A tee-hee? <laughs> a tee Did I do that? The next morning... They took Jose to his psychiatric appointment. <laughs> Sorry, I just okay. The next morning, they took Jose to a psychiatric appointment, the first he's ever had, and I will and I will hopefully hear back on that soon. It kills me that I'm not there with him now. I'm still stuck in Pike's Peak. It's like this place doesn't want me to leave. The ranger station shut down the entire uh, network on the road. Uh, what? The ranger station shut down the entire road network on the mountain because of this huge blizzard that rolled in, and there are avalanche warnings. and apparently they just don't give a shit about people that are trapped up on top of the mountain. Yeah,
0: they're like, fuck you guys, you guys can I die up there. their whole
1: point of there is making sure that doesn't happen. Uh, my road out of here is completely iced over, and one part of the snow, ha- one part of it has a snow collapse mini avalanche. What the fuck? My road out of here is completely iced over, and one part of it has a snow collapse slash mini avalanche. Shut up! I'm from California, where God pays attention. Jesus Christ! What? All
0: right, man. Jesus.
1: Okay, so there was a mini avalanche on one part of the road coming down. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm. Okay. I'm in contact with the ranger. His name is Greg, just like Jose's dad. (laughs) It's not because I have a hard time creating writing names. (laughs) Uh, so that's why I avoid referring to him by his name in these updates, and he assures me that they're working on getting the roads cleared every time it stops snowing. I missed my flight, but thankfully they gave me a voucher, so now I can just roll into the airport whenever I can. I have enough food to feed an army, and the electricity here is surprisingly reliable. So I'm warm, the Wi-Fi dips out for 5-10 to hours at a time, though I'm working on Donkey Kong Country 2 and Secret of Mana on the SNES and writing about my experiences here in my spare time. I also slipped on the icy porch and fell on my side, so that (laughs) guy got an enormous bruise and it hurts like a bitch, but only when I breathe, so got that going for me.
0: Uh, A Reddit user asked me if the cabin had a basement and I never thought to check. Outside under the snowpack and halfway covered with old chopped wood, I found a little locked door. The key was in the kitchen cupboard and turns out there's a decent sized cellar under the house. Down inside, I found a ton of creepy shit. There's a bundle of long black hair, several dozen jars of rotten mutant-looking shit, and tons of old book from the 60s and 70s, and lots and lots of porno magazines. There are also nice. lots of sticks and yarn, all the material necessary to make a dream catch like the one hanging in the tree line behind the cabin. I didn't touch anything, I just noped straight out of there. I've been thinking about something that one of the Reddit users said to me the other day, which was, have you considered that it is not a dream catcher at all? And he's right. I'm not an expert on Native American symbology or artifacts, but I'm still going to comment on them anyway. (laughs) It looks like a dream catcher to me, so I've been calling it one all this time. Tiway, the Pueblo friend of the ranger, didn't call it that. He just said to leave it alone. I'm wondering if that thing attracts the imposter instead of keeping it away. It could mark the house, so I kind of want to move it for one night just to see what happens. After all, T-Way blessed the entire cabin, so I feel quite safe. And I have so- a 3.57 Magnum in case uh, leaves don't protect me, even though T-Way told me don't touch it.
1: <laughs> Things have been going pretty well. I feel safe. So I'm thinking maybe I should try to fuck that up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really good. It's been going well. But the monster can't get me in here. so maybe So maybe
0: I should-, I should give him an opportunity.
1: Maybe I should change things around with having no idea what the outcome might be.
0: Hey, I'm a white man. What could I do wrong?
1: <laughs> There's no repercussions. Um. Okay. At about 9.30 a.m., there was a knock at the door. I grabbed the gun, suspecting another encounter with the imposter. It was lightly snowing and gloomy, so I figured the sun was blocked enough that the creature would be willing to come out of the woods. But then I heard familiar voices talking cheerfully. I looked out the window, and to my total surprise, it was T- T-Way and his son Nathan. These badass motherfuckers... I had hiked up the the ranger station in the snow to check on me. I let them in, and they made me tea. I cannot tell you how happy it was to see them. (laughs) Imagine them hiking all the way up a fucking blizzarding mountain, and they're like, we'll make you some tea.
0: Yeah, what a fucking douche.
1: (laughs) T-Way brought me his own dreamcatcher. It was one he made specifically for me. Aw. Aww. And he told me that I should hang it beside the creepy one. It's very colorful and ornate. I could tell he had spent a lot of time on it. Aw. It's even, it's even got two beautiful hawk feathers dangling off of it, which Nathan says represent freedom and unboundedness. He reiterated the importance of finding the engagement ring. Uh, Mason, Jose, whatever, had lost. <laughs> and Hofason had... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, had lost and blessed the house again. I tried to get them to stay longer, but they had to get back down the mountain before the storm picked up. I told them uh, I should come with them. We all knew I wouldn't. I wouldn't. We. I told them I should... Oh, and told me... Wait, okay. But they had to get back down the mountain before the storm picked up and told me I should come with them. We all knew I wouldn't. I don't know why <laughs> I would've. Yeah. I left with them. If I left with them, I'd be leaving Greg's truck and I'd and I'd never have found what I came for. I said goodbye to T-Way, hugged me, and I... and hugged me, and T-Way hugged me. I wish that guy was my grandpa.
0: I took a nap after the left and figured out how to sleep without being interrupted by the goddamn voices in the forest. From 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's pretty quiet outside, so I nap on and off, but something really bad happened this time. I woke up opening the bathroom window. I've never sleepwalked before in my entire life, mason's been sleeping next to me for five years and he says i don't move i don't speak i don't snore i don't steal sheets i'm the most polite bed buddy in the on earth but when i came to i was standing next to the toilet both hands prying the frozen window open it was about two inches up and the freezing cold wind on my fingers is what woke me up i slammed it shut and checked all the windows ensuring that they were locked and sealed tight then went back to bed I dragged one of the living room chairs into the bedroom with me and propped it against the door so that I'd knock it over if I got up again. This did not work at around one pm I woke up woke up, I woke up standing at the front door and found myself pulling it open. The loud groans it issued were what snapped me out of my stupper Stupper. Stupor. stupor. I slammed the door shut and looked out the window next to it, praying nothing was out there waiting for me at the tree line. I saw nothing then I remembered. That I'd had a dream. Images of a huge hole carved into the mountain surface in my mind. Snow and branches were caked all around the mouth of the entrance, and an impossible yawning blackness emanated from within. In the dream, I just stood there, gazing into the vacant face of sleep, listening to Mason's weakened cries. I sat down on the couch and just sort of cried for about half an hour. I thought about what our lives had become and how bad I missed him. I thought about all the dreams we had of our future and the things that could never be if I don't figure out how to save him. I thought about... All the promises I'll never keep if I die up here.
1: I decided it would be best to hang the Dreamcatcher sooner rather than later because the clouds broke for a while and it was fantastically bright out. I got geared up and trudged across the snow with Tiway's gift and hung it on a branch about three feet away from the evil-looking one. And that's when I saw it. Jose's engagement ring. It was dangling there right in front of me, as if to tease me. Someone had woven it into the strings of the Dreamcatcher. I stood there for a long time, right between the two objects. I couldn't figure out if some benevolent force was giving me a break or if I was being taunted by whatever being, by whatever beings have haunted my footsteps ever since I arrived on the mountain. Retrieving the ring would require me not only to touch but destroy the creepy dreamcatcher. I had the thought to go ask no sleep what I should do, but I feared if I left, even one second the ring would be gone when i got back so i tried to solve the riddle by myself how i wish i had brought the satellite phone with me after a few minutes of standing there i reasoned that t-way's dream would probably do just as well in protecting me if in fact that was the function of the original one i also figured that if there was if it were cursed or something touching it couldn't actually worsen Couldn't actually be worse than leaving the ring there and allowing Jose to be completely consumed by his madness. If the ring had anything to do with the creatures who were controlling uh, Jose and I while we sleep, then getting it back is a priority over not touching the weird stuff in the woods. So what did... So what I did... So... Oh, shit. So what I did. (laughs) So what I did. So that's what I did. I broke the brutal thing apart and took the goddamn ring back. What else could I have done? And, as if on cue, I noticed something in the corner of my eye. It was a person standing in the snow beside a tree about 20 feet from my left. I was so scared, I didn't look directly at him. I just watched him in my peripheral... uh and prayed he didn't he hadn't noticed me it was a man with black and gray hair and dark clothes facing away from me his head was tilted all the way back looking up at the top of the trees his limbs looked mangled and bent and elongated even without looking right at him i slid the ring into my pocket and slowly as i could trying not to make a sound uh i lost my place trying not to make a sound and as i did the man hobbled around and faced me I really didn't want to look now. I just slammed my eyes shut. I knew he was looking at me. I could feel his gaze on me. He started gurgling, making throaty noises, and then said in a voice so threatening, I can't even begin to describe, Felix! (laughs) You mean Mason. What'd you say? Oh, Mason, yeah. Mason, I know you. Mason, I know you! Mason, I know you! Over and over. I took off running, screaming like a bat out of hell. I screamed all the way back to the fucking cabin, barricaded the front door with the couch, and and burned up half the sage I had left. I even prayed, like an actual prayer I haven't done since I was 15 years old. I was really struggling to write this last part. It's taken me hours to finish... Whoops. Um, barricaded, actual prayer. I'm really struggling to write this last part. It's taking me hours to finish this entry because I keep getting up to distract myself. The ranger isn't answering his phone and nobody's at the station. Maybe the power is out. I don't know what I did by breaking that dream catcher and I don't know what is, tonight is going to be like. But, Jose, if you ever read this and if something happens to me, don't forget your tenderness, your soft and skinned, All I need, your love is my tourniquet. I have to say this, even though I desperately want it to not be true. The man I just saw was T Way.
0: I like T Way.
1: Oh, man. Not T Way. They fucking got him, bro. No way, T Way. T Way. How many times do people say that to you? Do people say no way? Yeah, they used to say it a lot to to
0: me when I was growing up. I fucking hated it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would have been pissed off, too, but. No way, T Way. Yes way. (laughs) Yes way. <laughs> yes way. Yes way. Yes <laughs> way.
0: Things have spiraled out of control up here on the mountain. I made a decision that changed everything, and it almost killed I do killed like,
1: me. sorry, not to interrupt. I just, I really like how every time he's like, things have gotten batshit, and then yeah. at the end of it, he's like, I. I'm just writing this post. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He's like, things are going completely off the fucking rails, and then he's like, So I'm sitting here typing this thing. Man, I miss my girlfriend.
0: Things have spiraled out of control up here on the mountain. I made a decision that changed everything and it almost killed me. Only time will tell if it was the right choice to make. But for now, I'm just piecing everything together in my mind and trying to convince myself that I'm one step closer to solving all of this. I destroyed the the strange dream catcher that has been dangling on a tree branch behind the cabin since Faye and I first came to this place. Nobody knows who made it, what its purpose is, or why it's on the side of a tree facing into the woods, rather than the side facing the house. I found all the supplies to make another one just like it locked behind a cellar door that someone tried to hide years ago, but when I broke the dreamcatcher, I learned everything I needed to know. T-Way is dead. A lot of people have said otherwise, but I am certain of this. I saw his likeness stretched over the gruesome form of the thing that stalks these woods. It was broad daylight, and the look on its mangled face told me exactly what I didn't want to accept. I really am all alone. Several Redditors have speculated that this thing only shows itself at night and always faces away from me because it cannot convincingly appear human, not without the help of the recently dead. T-Way confirmed this during his first visit to the cabin, but when I destroyed the Dreamcatcher, there it was, proudly masquerading in the skin and hair of my best friend on this mountain. In the Alright.
1: <laughs> so in the Tway's like, yeah, you're fine. Alright. Yeah, right.
0: In the sunlight, no less. I cannot even imagine how his son Nathan must feel if he's alive. The two hiked back to the ranger station from the cabin, knowing a blizzard was coming. I'm sure that's when T-Way died.
1: Okay, so uh, let me just get this. Okay, so what? I don't understand. When he broke the thing, it let the monster see him face to face? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Is know. that what he's saying? I don't fucking know. <laughs> okay. Well, but I just, uh, I destroyed the dream catcher. I dangling on the tree branch behind the cabin. And came place. Nobody I think the dream catcher
0: happened. was protecting the cabin in some The sort.
1: one with the ring was protecting yeah, the cabin? Yeah, it was in, in some way. Gotcha, okay. When I got back inside the cabin, I completely lost it. I barricaded the door and windows and every piece of with every piece of furniture I could, but there just isn't enough stuff inside the little cabin to protect me. So I sat there on the floor against the bed, clutching the gun, uh, sort of wishing my dark visitor would come kill me already. But, of course, this is Pike's Peak. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to you here, so the mountain kept fucking with me. It was getting dark, and I was on the verge of a total psycho- psychological break... Um, I've been running on four hours of sleep per night and a few naps for the past two weeks. My only hope for redemption just got turned into a puppet. Uh, And when I was about to find out what happens come nightfall when the Dreamcatcher no longer functions, so what did my brain decide it was the best course of action at this point? To fall asleep. Somehow I nodded off. In fact, I think my brain was just did, just did a hard reset because nothing about the sleep was restful. I just went into a fear coma the minute the sun dipped behind the mountain, and then I woke up. I was in my bed with my sheets pulled over me. The lights were off, all of them, and my hands were empty. When before I held the held Greg's 357 Magnum. When I opened my eyes, I was supposed I supposed it was possible that I'd climbed into bed myself. After all, I'd been caught myself sleepwalking twice before. But it took me a solid minute before I realized there was a fucking arm wrapped around my chest. I did not have the reaction you'd expect. Most people would fly out of the bed screaming bloody murder, but my first thought was, "Uh, where am I?" My parents divorced when I was 3.
0: <laughs> cool. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for letting me know.
1: When I was 3, so I'd spend a few nights of a week at my dad's house and a few nights at my mom's house. Sometimes I'd wake up in the dark and not be sure which bedroom I was in it always took me a second to remember where i was this is the thought that crossed my delirious mind maybe i was back home in california maybe i was at jose's parents house in arvada i sort of just rolled out from under the arm and tried to figure out who the hell was lying in bed with me i'd been sleeping with the lights on for the past few nights and i'd never in my right mind have turned them off after seeing the creature so close to me a few hours ago the body in the bed felt Familiar, its warmth, its texture. I was pretty sure it was Jose, but I couldn't remember (laughs) if he was really up here with me. And then he spoke. He reached through the dark and touched my face and said,
0: What's wrong, (laughs) Pop-Tart?
1: Yes, that's actually the nickname. He gave me, love me some s'mores Pop-Tarts. I wasn't really afraid, just overwhelmed with confusion. I asked him where we were and why the lights were off. He just squeezed my shoulder and said,
0: Honey, we're in Pike's Peak. There's a storm. The power's out. It's done this before. What's wrong with you?
1: I got up out of bed, feeling the dread was falling over me, heavier and heavier. The more awake I became, as soon as the sheets were off of me, I felt a blistering cold. Colder than I've ever been in the cabin. The heat must have been off for hours. Only a bit of pale moonlight filtered through the windows, and it was barely enough to outline the objects in the room. I stumbled around looking for the flashlight, totally unable to remember where it was, and said, Why the fuck is it so cold? Did you screw with the heat? Jose tried to get me to come back to bed. He told me that it was that it went off and came back on earlier, and that it would probably be back on soon. Everything about uh, him felt wrong, but his voice was perfectly clear. His skin felt totally recognizable. I couldn't shake the strange feeling I had. I left the bedroom and walked into the living room. It was even colder out there. I felt my way around with my hands and noticed a strong icy drift coming from down the hall. It was a straight shot from the living room to the bathroom. At the other end of the hall, and from where I stood, I could see the bathroom window. It was wide open. A big two-by-two foot gap leading to the snow. I went to shout, what the fuck did you do? But Jose stepped out of the bedroom and stood in the hallway between me and the bathroom. He said something like, Mason, Mason, oh, yeah, sorry.
0: Mason, you are not feeling well. I'm gaslighting you. (laughs) Do you not remember what's going on? You're sick.
1: I almost believed him. "'because I definitely felt dizzy and feverish, "'but it could also have been "'the mixture of disturbed confusion and freezing cold. "'The thought that this was not really Jose "'invaded my mind, "'and I immediately regretted not knowing where the gun was. "'The only words I can find were, "'Who are you? Why are you here?' "'Jose Jose just stood in the darkness of the hallway. "'The only thing I could see "'was a little silver outline of his face. "'His face was entirely black, "'but even though his eyes were hidden, "'I could feel them burning into me, "'just as T-Ways had when I found the ring.' It felt like we stood in the eye of a hurricane. Everything was totally calm, but I knew hell was about to break loose. There wasn't a single sound outside. No branches snapped, no snow crunched, no voices moaned. It was as if time had stopped completely. Jose didn't move, even as he spoke. He held himself with the stillness of death. He said to me, Mason. It wasn't to get my attention, it was to convince me that he was really my fiance, co host. Excuse me. (laughs) It was a threat. He was reminding me that he knew my name. I still don't fully understand what power is in names, but T Way and Nathan believed it, and many Redditors warned me about when he said my name, I felt smaller than he even. the. I felt smaller than him, even though I stand almost a foot above <laughs> <up laughs> his head. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, do you remember the five, he asked me?
0: Do you remember the five?
1: He asked me. um, He still didn't move an inch. Not even his hair kicked up in the drafts that blew from behind him. I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh. Oh. Sorry, I thought... yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I can't remember. Not in this place.
1: I didn't know how to respond to this. I didn't know what he was talking about. All I could say was, Get out. You're not welcome here. Again, Jose didn't move. But he did clear his throat... And the sound he made was about two octaves deeper than Jose's real voice. Uh, uh, Inhaled sharply uh, and said,
0: Tell me about the number
1: five. I said, it's one more than four. (laughs) um, Thank you. (laughs) And that's when I knew I remembered where I was, what day it was, and exactly what had happened up to this point. My visitor had finally come to call, and it no longer needed to be invited. I deeply regretted breaking that dream dream catcher. My hands instinctively slid into my pocket, and to my relief, the little shape of Faye's engagement ring pushed back against my fingers. There was nothing else to do. I decided to throw down the gauntlet. I figured it was time to probably die. It was probably time (laughs) to die anyway. So. Okay, this has got pretty great right there. So I might as well go out bravely. I just said, I know who you are, and you will never be my Jose. Yeah. I like how he didn't even say my. That was just yeah. That was my choice. He took a menacing step for- toward me. A gurgle seeped out of the throat. <laughs> he inhaled five times. He inhaled again. More slowly this time, he demanded.
0: I want to know about the number five. Tell Um, me, Mason.
1: I looked all around me on the counters for a weapon, but found nothing. The knife knife block was on the other side of the short wall that divided the living room uh, from the kitchen. There was only one roll of paper towels within reach. But in retrospect, I was so amped with terror, I probably could have beaten his ass to death with it. I don't have a clue what that number means. In fact... About five thousand people online don't either. Nobody knows. Only Jose knows. My visitor started shaking with rage. His face was weathered with impossible black. There was an endless abyss, and it stung my eyes. But then I realized something. The creature, whatever it is, had access to Jose's mind for several hours every night. Maybe for many years. Maybe even since she first visited the cabin when she, when he was five years old and in all that time it still hadn't learned everything about him it could have been perfectly intimate or fuck it could perfectly imitate her him because he kept some things buried so deep in his subconscious that not even this thing could find him whatever the number five meant to jose that deep place is where he kept the secret He didn't even go there in his dreams.
0: The next part was all a blur. I said something like, you're the one who speaks to her in her sleep. The visitor kind of nodded. I said, you ask her things. She answers you. I hear everything she says. The visitor didn't react. Then I said, you've asked her this question, just like you're asking me now. And she always says, no, no, I can't tell you. My visitor took another step forward, dragging a hand along the wall as Mason had so many times in his sleepwalking fits. It raised up on the balls of its feet and twitched violently. It said to me,
1: I will make you tell me. No, sorry, I won't do that one more time. I'll make you tell me.
0: It didn't try to mimic my co-host's voice anymore. It sucked in huge breaths, trying to control its rage.
1: (laughs) That's kind of scary, actually. God, this is a really sensitive microphone.
0: There is a certain feeling you get when you're about to die. when you're in danger and you might die, fear completely overwhelms your senses and compels you to flee, to fight, to save yourself somehow. But past that point, when you know you're going to die, that fear becomes useless and disappears. This has happened to me only once before when I was sucked into a riptide at the beach during El- an El Nino winter as a teenager, in that moment, I just wondered. Will my body ever come back to the shore? Will they ever know what happened to me?
1: It's hard to say you know what happens when you're about to die when this guy's never died. Right.
0: In this moment, my heart slowed down and I didn't feel cold anymore. I just stood there, ready to be mauled to death. I was satisfied in the knowledge that I had not given this creature whatever it wanted and therefore blocked it from using that knowledge as a weapon against at uh, Mason. Whatever five meant, this thing needed it to take full possession of my co-host, and I wasn't going to let that happen. I laughed. I actually laughed and said, well, you're shit out of luck, buddy, because I don't know what the hell it means. Maybe you can tell me when you figure it out. The imposter laughed right back in my voice, a perfect mimicry. Then it said,
1: well, then we don't need you anymore.
0: It lunged at me. I have dodged a rabid German shepherd like I was a ninja, but this thing was so fast. All right, guy. And so strong it knocked the wind clean out of me. I toppled backwards and crash-landed on my shoulders on the tiles near the front door. It unleashed a barrage of blows on my face and neck. It raked my sweatshirt with razor-like claws. I tried my best to defend myself, but it was so dark in the house I couldn't see almost anything. I managed to flail my way free of its grasp for just a second. I pulled myself up to my feet, grabbing the counter, and in doing so my hand brushed against the little bundle of sage I'd been burning. The imposter was on me like lightning. "'grabbing me by the back of the neck "'and pulling me with the strength of a 250-pound man. "'I very ingloriously whirled around "'and smashed the sage bundle into the creature's face, "'burnt end first, and wrapped my my other arm around its head. "'Mason's familiar locks tangled in my fingers. "'I pulled its head forward "'and jammed the brittle sage into its eyes as hard as I could, "'screaming like a banshee. "'It shrieked and growled in some inhuman language "'and tried to push me away.' But I held on as hard as I could and kept driving my fingers into its eyes, crushing the twigs in them. A memory of Nathan and Wee's chant surfaced in my mind. I shouted the only par- I shouted the only part I could pronounce, "Tinike Adan, Tinike Adan, Tinike Adan." <laughs> Who knows if I'm even remotely close to the correct spelling? My hand slid over its face, and the mockery of May- Mason's appearance fell away. I couldn't see in the dark, but the face no longer resembled my co-hosts. The mouth was too much too big for a human's, and the wet lips drape, draped across the maw of a hundred fangs. And that was it. The bastard had had enough. It screamed and growled and took off on all fours. Its, lim- its limbs elongated as it moved farther away from me. Its shape became inrecognizably- Its shape became recognizably inhuman, even in the pale light. It barreled up the bathroom wall and out the window. And in moments, it was completely gone.
1: I'm definitely not afraid to cry. I do it at funerals. Oh, gosh. I almost dropped over a cup. I do it at funerals, at weddings, during the Hunchback of Notre Dame, etc., but I'm a little embarrassed to admit how long and hard I cried that night after the creature in the cab had left the cabin. I had never felt so utterly miserable alone in my entire life. I only stopped when the power came back on, probably 20 minutes later. The heater kicked on instantly and I ran over to shut the lock to shut and lock the bedroom window. The satellite phone was gone, the gun was gone, probably outside in the snow or up in a tree or down in the hole. I peeked out the wit- kit window the kitchen window and saw something lying on the porch right near the front door when i cracked the door open for just a second i saw that t-way's dream catcher had been destroyed and placed in front of the cabin mocking me or reminding me that i was unprotected i checked the timer on the battery the timer on the little battery clock in the kitchen it read 12:15 a.m i was going to have to spend another night in this godforsaken cabin but i vowed to get myself uh that at ed- but I vowed to get my. I, I vowed to myself that at dab. dab <laughs> I actually considered leaving right then in the middle of the night. Many Redditors have. Fucking fuck! What the fuck happened? <laughs> what just happened? Okay. <laughs> I am going to spend another night in this godforsaken cabin, but I vowed to myself that at dab, daybreak. God damn it. But I vowed. Oh my god. I don't know what it is about the sentence. But I vowed to myself that at daybreak, no matter the conditions, I would take Greg's truck and get down the mountain or die trying. I didn't care if I slid off the cliff face. I'd never watch the sun go down in Colorado ever again. For a while, I actually considered leaving right then in the middle of the night. Many Redditors have, reprima- have reprimanded me for not doing this. But I assure you, even in this situation, driving in the dark on that icy road next to a 400-foot cliff is a complete nope situation. He just said, "Yep, no matter the conditions, I would take the truck and get off the mountain or die trying. And then immediately in the next like sentence goes, you can't do it. Yeah. All right, but the mountain had other plans for me. At one point, I risked sneaking outside to determine how deep the truck was buried, but as I approached, I saw the snow had been dug out around the two front tires. They'd been slashed to ribbons. All I could do was let out a grim laugh and trudge back inside. At least it was warm in there for now. At around 1 a.m., the voices started up. They arose from far off in the woods, several of them at once, groaning and screaming, dark elegies to the night. It was one of the same evil gibberish that I'd heard a thousand times before, but they slowly made their way to the open field and eventually to just outside the cabin. I lit the remaining piece of sage and did a once over all the windows that weren't barricaded with furniture. I also donned the medic- the medicine pouches, the amulet that T-Way and Nathan had given me, hoping they'd be similar- similarly effective in protecting me. Then I remembered T-Way's useless dreamcatcher and imagined my crumpled corpse lying in the snowball. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fun. That's really funny. Outside the front door, I distinctly heard my own voice calling, Mason, it's me. Uh, No, Jose, it's me, Mason. Let me in. Let me in. And from near the bathroom window, my voice again saying, hi, sweetie, I miss you so much. <laughs> I would let myself in. Yeah. Like, oh, no, Mason's out there. Oh, no, Mason, you're cold. <laughs> Come in. Oh, no, Mason, I'm cold. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. Uh, I repeated a few other things that I've said on the phone and conversations with her, with him, and even a few things I said to him while he was sleepwalking back at our home in California. There were footsteps on the roof, two maybe three pairs of little feet stomping all over the ceiling, voices crying, children paired with them. I stood there in the kitchen, clutching a knife in the herbs waiting for the end of the voices waiting for the end the voices circled the cabin as though a handful of deranged lunatics were slowly marching around the perimeter singing songs of hell as they went they begging for help they laughing maniacally they whispered and screamed and talked to entirely to themselves all at once their dim shadows passed the window curtains over and over um i heard glass breaking in the bedroom and then in the bathroom the stomping on the roof grew louder the foot or the voice at the foot at the front door grew more urgent someone began knocking on the door and others tapped the living room windows they all started screaming uh, jose jose let us in and mason are you there and then as if heaven sent a blinding white light illuminated the entire cabin from outside all of the windows curtains at the front of the house lit up and the sound of motors drowned out the hellish cries someone had driven up to the cabin I heard the doors opening, men calling out coherently. The footsteps of, on the roof thundered overhead to the back of the cabin, and then the screams of children drifted off into the woods, out in the back, echoing as they withdrew. The ranger bashed the front door, calling out my full name, instructing me to come outside. I looked out the window and saw five men, some in uniforms, and the ranger uh, there was a humongous off-road snowplow, two snowmobiles, and a big truck. They'd come to save my life. When I went outside, I walked up to the and hugged the ranger. I didn't even grab my winter jacket. He informed me that they were getting everyone off the mountain because of a problem with the power grid, and he feared I'd freeze to death. I love how they were like, listen, I knew you were dealing with a monster, and that was fine, but now the power's out, so you might be dying. Yeah.
0: The ride down the mountain would have been the happiest ride of my life, except for the view. We snaked across slippery white roads, and even with the truck's high beams on, I could see the brightest stars I'd ever witnessed but beneath them dangling in the trees were dozens and dozens of human bodies they swung by rope from their feet or necks some of them were flayed or missing parts the ranger did not appear to notice and i kept my mouth shut as they passed overhead on our downward crawl i could almost make out their frozen faces lifeless for years maybe decades their black blood simply stained the trunk of trees the trunks of trees I'm not sure if these were the spirits Tiway talked about or if I had simply been experiencing temporary insanity. I'm not sure I'll ever know who they were, but I'm guessing if the ranger showed up any later, I would have become one of them. I will never forget the haunting image of passing underneath them. We arrived at the ranger station and remained there overnight. I slept on a cot in the in a room of about 15 people, all locals from different places of the mountain. I asked the ranger if he'd heard from Tiway or Nathan, but he said he had not. The next morning, one of his men drove me straight to Denver International Airport, and I boarded a plane without any luggage whatsoever. It didn't matter. I had the ring in my pocket, and and I'll never need another jacket again as long as I live. Well, you know, your body might disagree with you, but...
1: Fuck, I'm cold.
0: When I finally got home, Faye let me have it. She kept kissing... No, sorry. When I finally got (laughs) home... better read this right. Mason let me have it. He kept kissing me and yelling at me like co-hosts do. I understood... He was angry that I'd spent so much time trying to take control of the situation, treating him like a child, and disregarding his feelings in my crusade to rescue him. She, he was upset that I consigned him to the care of my best friends without asking, but seemed to appreciate their help. Richard and Jason were very happy to leave my house and never look Mason in the eye again. Although they did have some <laughs> good news. Showed up my for me. Lot. No, Mason.
1: No, I was possessed. I was just bored. No.
0: Mason had not sleepwalked or sleep-talked or done anything out of the ordinary in over 24 hours. <laughs> <That's> this
1: <laughs> a lot of time.
0: This corresponds almost exactly with what when I retrieved the ring from the Dreamcatcher. After an hour or so of reprimanding me for being a thick-headed idiot, Mason forgave me, and we laid in bed together <laughs> and talked about everything. I apologized to him for the way I had treated him and put the ring on his finger, the podcasting ring. He looked relieved to have it back on. I swore I'd never screw up like that again. We both slept a full night. No strange night terrors or bad dreams or sleep disturbances of any kind. And in the morning, yesterday morning, we had Mason's favorite, waffles.
1: At about 11 a.m., I received a call. To my great relief, it was Nathan. I immediately pressed him for some information about t and what exactly had happened after they left the cabin. He ignored my questions and said very ominously, Please, let me speak to the one who followed you home. I said something like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> what are you, what? To which he replied, the one that calls itself Jose. My fiance had been sitting on the couch watching the most recent Game of Thrones, so I sort of handed the phone to him and said, it's for you. <laughs> he put the <laughs> Sorry, okay. Um. <laughs> Uh It's for you. He put the he put it to his ear and said, Hello, then listen for about a minute. I could hear Nathan speaking, but could not make out what he was saying. Suddenly, a volcano of black pukes <laughs> out of his mouth. It absolutely covered the couch and the carpet and sent me nearly jumping out of my skin in the process. Jose like, doubled over on the floor like a rag doll, coughing and sputtering. I fell to my knees beside her, panicked, asking if he was alright. I picked up the phone and screamed at Nathan, demanding to know what he had said to her. Nathan just said, Please, Mason, listen, and then proceeded to recite some sort of chanter incarnation. a wave of syrupy vomit rushed up my throat, rushed up my throat and out of my mouth as well as with and as with Jose, it was oily black. I am in actu- I, I am actually in a metaphobe, oh, so it's like emitting things yeah metaphobe, so vomiting sends me into a state of near catatonia. But Jose had made a quick recovery and was right there to nurse me back to my senses. Nathan spoke to me a bit more and explained what he had done. I'll get to that in a bit. Jose and I spent the rest of the day feeling queasy and eventually went to urgent care across the road to get us checked out. They gave us blood tests, checked our vitals, and sent us home telling us we'd suffered minor food poisoning. But I know, deep down, it wasn't those goddamn waffles. Thankfully, for the past few hours, we've been feeling much better.
0: I mentioned a while back that T-Way and Nathan had a disagreement over who the real Faye was, Mason was. Who the fuck is Faye? Why do you guys keep saying Faye? And whether it was even possible for a duplicate of my co host to exist. When they hiked back down the mountain from the cabin a few days ago, they had to go up into the forest to avoid the snow collapses all over the road. Out there in the woods, they heard the crying of a man and followed it to an abandoned mine. Both of them knew that it was very likely a trick, but Tiway said that it was their duty to explore the possibility that Mason was alive somewhere on the mountain. The blizzard came on earlier than expected. They stood at the mouth of the mine, listening to the begging of a young man somewhere off in the dark, but concluded that its voice was too unusual to be a human's. Tiway and Nathan decided to bless the entrance of the mine, which could ward off its dark inhabitants, but their chanting enraged whatever lived in it. It came out of the tunnels and snatched Tiway. He screamed all the way down into the dark, and Nathan could not follow. He ran away, terrified, but got lost in the blizzard. He wandered for an hour, fearing death, and eventually came upon a skinned body swinging from a low tree branch. It was so fresh the blood hadn't yet fully frozen. Nathan knew it was his father's corpse. Eventually, he found his way back home. He said his father's voice guided him out of the squall. Nathan explained to me that the imposter's goal of taking over someone's mind was different from its penchant for killing people. These creatures hunt and kill at random, salvaging the human parts they need to walk the earth as mortals for a short time but the real pleasure derives from conquering a person from within. Mason was one of the unlucky few that are chosen in this way, and the impostor's fixation on him had lasted for decades. After long enough, their continued presence in the body and mind of a victim leaves a stain on the soul. This corruption necessitates a purge, hence the barf party we held in the living room, whose stains, by the way, I have thus failed to vanish. Nathan invited me to the funeral ceremony for Tiway, I sadly declined, as I am already on the verge of losing my job and flat broke from this experience. But I promised that I'd honor his memory in my own way. I can't go back to that place. Fortunately, Nathan was more than understanding, and promised we'd meet again soon.
1: I'm still thinking about all this. I do not yet have all the pieces of the puzzle, but if you're looking for all the answers, you're going to have to help me find them. But I think I have figured this part out. The imposter gave phase of Jose's podcasting ring microphone the imposter gave jose's microphone back to me they wanted me to destroy the dream catcher the ring was an object of great sentimental value to both jose and to our podcasting relationship the creature used to invade jose's mind and control his thoughts its goal was to convince jose that it was me that i yeah okay that makes sense (laughs) okay so that he would welcome it into our podcasting house late at (laughs) night the home nathan said symbolically represents the body just as the ring represents our union the microphone represents our union (laughs) to be welcomed into the home is to be granted access to jose but the imposter could never learn anything everything it needed from jose to mimic me it gave up that on that project and instead came after me it returned the ring to me thus giving up its power over jose and but i broke the dreamcatcher to retrieve it as it turns out that creepy mysterious dreamcatcher was in fact protecting me the cabin and everyone inside it which is why the imposter needed it to be in which jesus christ yeah which is why the imposter <laughs> needed to be invited in when i broke it the creature could have easily come in and killed me but it needed information from me before it did it needed to know one of jose's darkest secrets to rule him
0: and in the darkness bind them
1: Uh, yes i'm not sure i'll ever unravel the mystery of the number five but i do know one thing not knowing what it means actually saved jose's life i'm not sure i ever want to know as for jose he's back to normal and in perfect perfect health he sleeps soundly and only mumbles a bit, which is pretty normal for him. His sixth sense of humor has returned as well. Last night, as he went to sleep, he turned out the light and said to me, Thank you for trying so hard. Then he leaned over and licked my face.
0: Well, that is the... I figured out what the number five is, by the way. Is it?
1: Five dollars footlong. Long. Oh, how yeah. long they've been together? Nope, five dollars footlong. She
0: just really loves Subway. <laughs> okay, what do you think of it?
1: Um, I it gets
0: was... you in moments, and then it loses you in moments. I think you know.
1: Absolutely, that's true. I don't know. It was fine. It was. It's pretty. I guess it's it's a very well written um creepy pasta, but like even the best written creepy pastas are still kind of like
0: right. You not know, the, not, best not the best written thing. Yeah, I,
1: mean, I probably couldn't do much better, so I don't mean to like it. I, could, you know, I don't want shit on this guy because, like, I it was very good. It just you know it had a lot of like tropes, right. and Like things that it's just like I kind of eye rolling, like oh, I'm gonna post all these videos. I've got all this proof and evidence. I mm-hmm. just haven't been able to post it, you know. And I get it because that's it's hard to write, right? Kinda, you know. So he did a the, very good job.
0: There, um, there were moments that, um. That did scare me just because I'm, like, picturing where I'm, like, well, if I was in that situation, I would be, like, fuck
1: that. It did get, it got, as most things do, it became much, much less scary as they started having to answer all the questions that they set up.
0: As there was exposition dump, I was, like, ah.
1: Yes, and I get it, again. Right, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you, you know, you got (laughs) it. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to you can't just leave. Actually, you probably could have just left it. You could have just started it and then just never come back and people would be like, "What happened?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was pretty good. They, once they started kind of figuring out what the monster was and it was just kind of like, "Alright, that's less scary." But Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know. I like I'm I mean, I'm a fan of like any sort of Native American tied lore cuz I like yeah. That's true. I like their legends. I think they're very spooky and weird. I like the idea of, like, this thing that has to wear skin, like it can't shapeshift like a skinwalker, but it mm. has to, like, physically wear the skin of people and, uh, yeah, like, I skin. Yeah, I like
1: that it has to, like, stitch its body together yeah. with, like, various dead things. <laughs> I like to here.
0: imagine it, like, sewing <laughs> the parts <laughs> as it making a skin suit gonna scare making this guy a skin suit.
1: making a skin suit i'm gonna go out in my new skin suit
0: um but yeah i don't know it was good um yeah it was fun yeah well uh well that's it that's the end isn't it um we will see you guys uh on our you know next week for a main episode then we'll see you guys in a little bit more for a bonus up, another bonus episode. We'll see what we do for that one. Yay. I think the overall lesson from this is if you go to a, a cabin randomly, maybe find out the history of it if it's a sketchy one especially
1: Yeah or just I think the biggest lesson all is um, leave when things get started yeah going don't bad. wait
0: just go just go I, mean, I say
1: If I hear like
0: I mean there's mean a big I, I don't know there's a big thing in the supernatural <laughs> that sounds like the show. Um, mm. no, there's like a big thing in like the supernatural community of like, when you hear when bad things start to happen, it's better to just ignore them because the minute that you give it attention or your, mm. your attention, then it, then and it's no, like, ah, well, I'm welcome because
1: in. I'm immediately just like, like I say that now, but I, if I know if it happened, I'd just be like, I'm going to go outside and look because <laughs> I just can't help myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that.
1: I just, i always, am just like, I just gotta go in though. I gotta see. And it's, and it's like, you shouldn't. And I'm like, I know that. It's I like that know. hell room in uh, that college. Remember that bubbly water room? Oh, yes. That was like, that was a spooky. That, that was, was like bubbling
0: and it was like humid as
1: all hell yeah, in it. Yeah, like there was definitely felt like. There was, was like something
0: a, there, yeah. yeah. That lives in there. And room. we all went into it, and then when other people showed up, we were like, come look at this room.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because you gotta. <laughs> yeah, you
0: gotta. and then we filmed the whole
1: uh... Sure I was just thinking that, because that was a spooky place.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: spooky dooky place.
0: Well, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next time, and um... Be safe out there, everyone. Yeah. Don't, uh... Be careful with your pastas. Don't creepy them up. Is that any good? Was that... Uh. Nah, well. You know, what Just, can you
1: do? Uh, you, you know, spend... Uh, I don't have anything better. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alright, we'll catch you
0: better. on the next one, guys. Bye.
1: Bye.